Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis, and today's guest is Julie Pomeroy. Julie graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Geography from Memorial University and has completed a number of workshops with the Museums Association of Newfoundland and Labrador and the Association of Newfoundland and Labrador Archives. Julie has been the Heritage Programs and Services Coordinator for Portugal Cove St. Phillips since the fall of 2012 and has also been a member of the Heritage Committee in Logie Bay, Middle Cove, Outer Cove for the past five years. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Um, let's start by talking a little bit about how you got interested in heritage generally. What would your, your educational background was in cultural geography, is that right? Geography in general. Yeah. So I have, a, I have a, just a general geography degree, but my interests were in cultural geography and urban geography. Uh, so that's kind of where I focused a lot of my, <clears throat> excuse me, course load. Yeah. And uh, so when did you kind of make that crossover into uh, the heritage world? When did you decide that you wanted to, to pursue this as a career? Well, when I graduated university, uh, like most recent graduates, I took a job for the sake of taking a job that didn't feel like it was in my field at all. Um, and it was fine at the time, but I was determined to find something that related to the coursework that I did in university. And I just was very determined. I just searched online and looked for whatever I could find. And and so what was the first what was the first real heritage position then? The first heritage position was I believe the summer of 2011 researching and documenting root cellars. That was with the Agricultural History Society in connection with the Heritage Foundation. Right, yeah. And so you were doing work with Crystal Bray, who was yes. working with us with the yep. Heritage Foundation, and you were with the Agricultural History Society, uh, going out and kind of doing this kind of mm-hmm. cultural mapping stuff and, and looking for things on the landscape. Yep. Still is my favorite job of all time that I've ever <laughs> had. <laughs> That's great. Uh, and, so, and, then you, and then you went and worked with... Uh, Portugal Cove, St. Phillips. No, after that, I did a research coordinator position. I did that through Immigrant Ways and Festival of the Sea. Okay, So I was coordinating, um, and the project was just under a year. I was coordinating for four other researchers, and I worked with the board of directors for them to determine um, what what way, what areas the research was going to take. Right. And then you went. Then I went to Portugal Cove. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so tell me about the the position in in Portugal. So, the official title is Heritage Programs and Services Coordinator. So, what what kind of work do you do with Portugal Cove and Phillips? I do research. I uh, we have a very small beginning of an archive that I'm really hoping to build on. Um, there's a lot of people in the community who have lots of fascinating items and information that I would like to build on. Um, I tried to be interdisciplinary and work with the other departments. So planning department can sometimes come to me and ask questions. I often more so go to them asking questions. Uh, recreation department um, and public works, we all tried to, I tried to work with everybody and kind of put myself in all the different areas. So when you talk about doing research, uh, what kind of things are you researching? Um, Oral histories is something that the Heritage Committee has been working on. I haven't had a chance to do a whole lot of it, but uh, documenting the stories of the community is one. Um, We are planning in the planning stages of a couple projects, mainly for trails, so I'm trying to get some research and 
oral history is about those so that I can incorporate it into the the plans for that as they develop. For for people who aren't familiar with Portugal Cove St. Phillips, it's it's quite a historic community in mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, th- mm-hmm. there was some pretty early settlement there. Very early settlement. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that that historical period? Um it goes back to about 1500s, um all based on fishing. Um and, uh, and, and farming. And farming uh, Portal yeah. Cove side was known for fishing, and the St. Philip side was known mostly for farming. Yeah. Um, so you had a pretty early history of settlement there compared to some other parts yes, of the Yes, Portal Cove side is much yeah. older than the St. Philip side yeah. by a couple hundred years. But, yeah. yeah. And, and some of the families that are there have been there for quite a long time. Some of the names are still there. Yep. The Squires, Tuckers, Pickos, Hammonds, all, all names that are still there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, and like you said, it was a primarily a f- fishing communities, and then with mm-hmm. with uh, attendant agriculture, because you yeah. are kind of in a protected uh, little zone there. Very much so, yeah. 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 So it's interesting, you know, we to have that um, to have that mix. You know, you, we don't think of farming often as something that happens a lot in Newfoundland. Everyone had subsistence farms, but yeah, That's that right. was one little spot where there mm-hmm. where there were lots of root cellars and potato on, gardens, and yes. And on the Portugal Cove side, I know, um, say along the Beachy Cove Road area. They, they were fishermen, but they had their own gardens. And it amazes me how they were able to farm up such a steep slope. <laughs> right, yeah. But they did it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're documenting some of these uh, family histories. You talked about your committee. Um, so what is the structure? How, how, is your, how is it organized? You have um, a, a volunteer community, community we have, committee? Yes, we have a volunteer advisory heritage committee. Right. Um, that is made up of, you know, a very dynamic uh, bunch of people. They're very involved. They do a lot of research. Um, and I act as a liaison between the Heritage Committee and the town staff. Mm-hmm. So I, I help them out. They help me out. It's a... It's a really nice working relationship that we have. Yeah, and it's an interesting model because it's not the type of position we see a lot of in, in mm-hmm. this province. There, I, I know there have been other communities that have had uh, heritage workers, you know, mm-hmm. either part time or full time. Mm-hmm. But there's not there's not a terrible lot of them. I think Torbay. We were talking earlier. Torbay mm-hmm. has a, has a heritage person. Uh, CBS Conception Bay South used to have a heritage person, mm-hmm. but I don't think they do anymore. Well, I'm not sure exactly how the position came to be. I know that they've had a heritage committee for a number of years, Mm -hmm. at least 10 years. Um, And I think that a lot of the work that they were trying to do, they were having frustration that they couldn't, uh, you know, they didn't have access to the town hall. They couldn't get um, the communication between town staff and council was sometimes difficult. And they suggested to have a short-term contract to see if a staff person to act as a liaison between the two would actually work out. And it did because it eventually came, became a full position. Yeah. I think, you know, many communities have volunteer heritage committees. You know, there's mm-hmm. lots of lots Which of historical Which are extremely studies. important Incredibly important. Yes. But I think you're right. They, uh, volunteers can only go so far. And I think right. having a, a full-time person with mm-hmm. a town a- allows you to kind of take those ideas of the heritage committee and mm-hmm. kind of turn them into actual projects. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that I know that you uh, have been working on a, a little bit lately that has grown out of the interest of the community is about family history. Yes. It's one of the biggest questions that I get asked is if I have anything in the archive that people can research to, to search their family tree and if I know how to teach people how to do that. And I don't. So 
back in May, we had um, genealogist Elsa Flack come and do a workshop, and it was it went extremely well. We had a very good response to that, and from that, I think we're going to start a family history club for the community. Um, a lot of the people that were there have researched their own families back far enough, but because it was such a small community, a lot of the family trees tie into each other. Mm, yeah. So if there was a space that they could have to go and discuss and collaborate and and kind of, oh, you know this person and this ties into my family tree, then I think that's what people are really interested in. So there's a hope then that that will become almost a regular kind of club in the I community. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. From, from the response that we, we got from that workshop, definitely. So what did they do at the workshop? What did they learn? They learned where to start um, in terms of researching your family tree, the types of places to look, um, and then what to do with that information once they have it. And once they trace it back so far, when to decide to stop is, is one of the really big uh, questions when you're researching your family and, and kind of what to do with that so other people can either enjoy it or use it as research, even if it's just putting it in a pamphlet style to give family. But a lot of people are finding that that information needs to be passed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and I think having a regular club is a really nice idea. You know, I it's think a good so way too. to kind of get the community engaged in heritage mm-hmm. in a way, because sometimes I think heritage almost has a negative connotation in communities sometimes and old stuff, old stuff, you know, it's old stuff, but uh, everyone has family history, you know, and That's people right. are interested in that. And, 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 and figuring out the ties to your community is, yeah. And I also think it's interesting, you know, you, you said, you know, people came to you with a need and you didn't know how to do it. And mm-hmm. so you found someone who did. Mm-hmm. I, I, I often talk about, you know, the role of my work as a, as a public folklorist isn't so much about being an expert in a particular field, but about linking people with, with the ex- experts that do exist in, right. the, in the community. Yeah. yeah. So we, we almost have this role as a facilitator, you know, yes. our job is kind of make things happen. Ma- yes. The make the level. connections to people. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about people coming into coming in and asking if you have stuff in the archive and you, you mentioned this before that you have the, the start of something. What, Very what, small. what kind of things do you have and where, where have they come from? I have some photos, which I would really like to build on. I would like to have a really nice uh, uh, picture collection. Um, I have some, a lot of it is research that has been completed by the Heritage Committee. In their research over the last number of years, we've kind of created their own funds for this and that. And um, and community members, yeah. you know, they've said, I have this, you know, do you want it? So that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. And so do you have a a collections policy that kind of guides? We do, yeah. Yeah. We have a finding aid. Um, You know, it's... It's in its infancy, but it's it's there and it started and it's for people to safeguard their objects if they want it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So if someone uh, has uh, something from the community, if they've, if they've grown up in the community, if they have uh, something of that they think might be of value, um, how can they contact you to, to kind of deposit that? Or if they're looking for information, mm-hmm. how, do, how do they find you? They can find me on the town website or they can email me. Um, on the town website, pcsp.ca, there's a little section for heritage, and you can click on that and find uh, my contact information, my email address. Yeah. You talk about the, the photos. Uh, at the moment, are they purely in print form, or are you going to digitize those as well? Most of them have been digitized, oh, okay. um, but I do have them in print as well, yeah. yeah. Some of them, not all of them have been digitized. Yeah. And what kind of stuff do, are, are in those photos? Um, I have a little scattering of everything. Yeah. Um, 
I have some old fishing pictures, old family pictures. I have picture, a couple pictures from probably about the 60s or 70s of the Portugal Cove Wharf, some ferry pictures, um, and some of the uh, pictures of when they did the cable line right. from Bell Island to Portugal Cove. Yeah, because there is that quite fascinating history of connection there between your community and Belle and, Island. And Belle Island, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and the ferry has kind of a long and interesting history. It does. Uh, you know? Yeah, it would be great to see some of those photos and to, and to see, uh, see a have piece. Have a few. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> see a piece kind of developed about that. I tried that, to that do length. a throwback Thursday on the town Facebook page every yeah. now and then with some and, of the pictures. And what's the response to, to the social media? Do, do people in the community know that you're, you're posting stuff and posting photos? Well, we, I do it on the town's main page, yeah. and usually when I do, it gets, you know, it gets a good response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you you work for Portugal St. Phillips, but you're also involved with Logie Bay, Middle Cove, Outer Cove. So, yes. what's your involvement there? Um, I'm currently the chairperson of the Heritage Committee there. Okay, um, and as a group, we keep the museum running, um, which is only open during the summer season. But we kind of uh, we do our regular meetings throughout the whole year um, and and keep it going and hire summer staff to, to work in there. And they do their research and stuff like that on the community as well. Yeah. And so you have a small museum there. It's a small museum. Can you tell me a little bit about that? What kind of things are, are in that museum? That museum is, is very cute. It's in the basement of the town hall um, on Logie Bay Road. And we have... It's separated into different sections. So there's a section on the school, the section on the church, agriculture, um, a rowing section. And we are currently working on, excuse me, the Heritage Court, uh, the museum attendant there is working on a new um, exhibit about a plane crash. There was a plane crash in someone's yard in 1956. So we're hoping to launch that this summer. Okay, interesting. And they have also been doing some really nice programming with children this year. Yeah. So we've had a really good response with that as well. So what, what kind of children's programs have they been running? So far, we've done some tours. We meant we were opened early enough this summer that we were able to do a couple of tours with some grade one classes uh, before the school closed. And then they've done kind of an archaeologist for a day slash museum coordinator, curator for a day and had children come in and do some digging and labeling and and they loved it. Yeah. Mm. And so these are all kids from the from the from the area. Most from of them were yeah. from the area, but oh. some of them weren't. Yeah. It was posted on social media, and it was it met its capacity in less than twenty four hours. Well, that's that's great. Yeah, it's nice to see that people are <laughs> yeah, interested. And it's great very to get interested. it's great to get kids involved in yes. heritage. Yeah. Yeah. And they were very engaged in it. They loved it. Yeah. Mm. And are you doing oral history work in in that community as well? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we try to. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really uh, important, you know, to kind of mm-hmm. collect some of these some of these stories there was uh i I think it might have been a green team years ago who came in or or elementary school students who did an oral history with a lot of the senior community members Mm -hmm. and that's been transcribed and everything since um but we would like to do that again yeah with with some other members yeah yeah, it's you can never. It's a, it's a sort of a never-ending process. You yeah. can always do more, uh, do more oral history. Absolutely. Interviews. Yeah. Um, so what's what's next in in Portugal Cove? What's what's kind of the next project that's coming up for you? Um, well, the first uh, little while that I was working there, we were in connection with the Heritage Committee, we were working on a strategic plan. Mm-hmm. So we kind of came up with a very broad five-year plan of what we think. Uh, where we think heritage should go. And from that, we've been kind of building and doing uh, little projects from that. Um, 
trails is something that I would like to work on. I know that East Coast Trail goes through the community, but there's a couple of old um, kind of traditional walking paths. Um, one of them were kind of in the, the infancy stages of planning, uh, goes up to Beachy Cove Hill and also ties into Grayman's Beard. And then there's another one um, called the Goat Cove Trail. And both trails are still used today. Um, but Goat Cove has a lot of stories behind it, or so I'm told, especially ghost stories, which I know would interest you. <laughs> um, but I don't know very much about the little community that was there, why they settled there, and why they left. Yeah. Um, but that's the information that I'm going to be looking for in the next little while. I love the name Grayman's Beard. Where, where is So this is a place? It is. So what is it? It's, it's a hill, and there's a trail to it. So yeah. when you're say at the Portugal Cove Ferry and you look up, you can see this big rock. And the name Grayman's Beard is because the rock sometimes during certain seasons looks like an old man with a beard. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I think that uh, place names even are one of these things that are in danger of vanishing in communities. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of place names um, in Portugal Cove come from fishing original fishing berths yeah and there was some research done years and years ago that actually mapped out a lot of the family uh fishing berths along the coast and a lot of the names have come from there hmm. but i don't know how the fishing berths got their names right which would be something interesting to yeah. research yeah uh, you also have a number of historic cemeteries because the the community has been there for so long mm -hmm. you have some cemeteries some which are quite quite large and well known and some of which are quite small and perhaps yes, not so well known. there's several that are i guess abandoned and and not well known um that only have stones even for uh gravestones there's no markings there's no names um I would like to get in and clean some of those up and, and do some research on some of them. Most of the cemeteries have been documented um, by volunteers in the past. There was student groups that have come in years ago and did that. Um, there is one municipal heritage site, the West Point Heritage Site, uh, where remains were found during, um, during some development. And there's another little one that I would really like to research mm. that is is kind of tucked away on someone's property. I the West Point uh cemetery story is quite an interesting story. Uh were you there at the at the town when that when that started that whole process? When they found when it? No, yeah, I wasn't. It was that just was, before you yeah, started Yeah, it was there, before yeah. me. Um but it, it and they had the launch while I was there. Yeah. yeah. So this was um, quite a historic cemetery. Mm -hmm. um, and I had heard that at one point there were tombstones, there were grave markers there, but they had either eroded uh, or had been knocked Vandalized. down the, down the yes. cliff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, the, as you said, there was a, a new construction that was happening there. Some yes, new homes there was that some were going new housing in. development there. And I've heard a couple of different stories from some of the seniors that it was some of the stone the the grave sites were located just in the one spot say where the signs are for the municipal heritage site now but there's other people that say it went all the way oh, okay. up the cliff yeah and so the provincial archaeology archaeological office was called in and yes, they did they an excavation yes, there yeah. and they they uh, excavated several graves that were going mm -hmm. to be um, destroyed by this house construction yes 
and yeah. and they they took to the Taman and they did the whatever studying anthropologists do they with did, the yeah. old bones. They even sent a fragment down to California to be carbon dated. Oh, and, interesting. And it, you know, all the dates kind of tie into that seventeen eighteen hundreds. Yeah. And then once once all that kind of scientific information was done, then the bones were reburied back on yes. the site. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, there was a little ceremony there where they were uh, they were put back, and we there was some nice words spoken by the town and and some of the uh, there was a priest there yeah who, who spoke about it yeah. yeah and so and now it's a it is a municipal heritage site yes and uh, and a park mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. so people can go there's, and, a, and bench there's a bench there and you can and go and overlook the, the water. story yeah it's yeah. like and it's a lovely site like it, it, it has a beautiful view of mm-hmm. uh, bell island yeah it yes. would have been quite an impressive uh, spot to be buried <laughs> at one point yeah and we did a project uh, in cooperation with the town last year we helped out with a, a, cleanup. a cleanup project yeah. in one of their graveyards there yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would be nice to do stuff like that again. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Because yeah. there's a couple of them that are that have been abandoned, and there's not really any public access to them. Yeah. But to see them completely overgrown is kind of kind of sad. Yeah. Be, it would be nice to kind of clean them up a bit. For for municipalities that um, you know don't have a, a, a staff person like Porch Cove, or who or who don't have a community museum like mm-hmm. uh, Logie Bay, Middle Cove. Um, as someone who works with municipalities mm-hmm. a lot, where should people start? So if, if, if Community X uh, you know, has a group of people who are interested in heritage, where, where, can, they, where can they start out? Having a heritage committee um, would be a really good place to start. Um, having a vision, so knowing what you want or what you don't want in terms of development is a really good place to start. And understanding the history of your community so you know kind of what what to safeguard, what what stories you want kept, and what's important to your community. Hmm. So knowing that one of the things that you had started in Porsche Cove was a, an inventory of, of buildings yes, and, and sites. Yes, we did. We had a summer student, Katie Harvey, come in um, a couple summers ago, and we did do an inventory of uh, mostly older homes, um, just so that we kind of have an idea of when certain things were built and where development was at that time. Um, so we do have an inventory of buildings, some root cellars, some rock walls. Um, yeah, I think a, that, as a resource, I yeah. think that inventory, that basic level of inventory, is really useful because, you know, I think quite often communities know they have heritage, mm-hmm. and they don't know exactly where to start, and, right. and kind of like just but doing an assessment that, is good. That having that inventory and having, say, our planning department be aware of it, mm-hmm. if they're approached with certain questions about certain buildings in certain areas, they have then come to me and said, "Is this of any importance? You know, what should I know about this house or this area?" Yeah. So, yeah. trying to be connected in in the in the other departments. And you do have a municipal designations program. So under Municipalities Act, you can yes. designate uh, sites uh, mm-hmm. that are buildings, but also sites like the graveyard that aren't necessarily uh, built structure as yep. well. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think you'll designate more sites in, with the town? I would like to. I actually met with a gentleman earlier this week who owns um, who owns a home that dates back to 1720. Right. And they currently live in Virginia, but they want uh, they would like to see it as a heritage site. Yeah. What do you think the big challenges are for municipalities when it comes to heritage? Hmm. I, there's a lot of challenges. Um, I think. Again, understanding what's important and what's what's worth keeping is one thing. Um, I'm not 
against development, but I think it needs to be done and planned in the right way. I think that Portugal Cove St. Phillips is definitely going about it the right way. Uh, They have a new uh, municipal plan that outlines two specific areas that they call traditional communities that they're committed to preserving. Um, But one of the challenges, I think, in heritage culture for for municipalities right now is policy. Right. And, you know, having rules and guidelines in place for what people can and can't do, which is extremely difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I know a lot of communities, you know, they don't have those kind of regulations or policies and then things disappear. And That's then right. people look around and people and go, are upset about it. Yeah. Right. So having I think having the right policies in place for what works for your town is is the most important. So if a community was in the very early stages of that and they thought, oh, you know, we really need some advice or we need some help on developing a heritage policy, where where could they go? Where 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 did where did Portugal Cove go to to get it well, to get started? We're figuring it out as we go. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, that's that's one of the things that we've been working on. You know, the Heritage Committee has been wor- trying to work towards that for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. And there are there are communities that do have heritage bylaws and heritage regulations. Yeah. So we we've yeah. you know we've been trying to come up with or draft um, an idea of some guidelines that we could go by that we can then develop into other policies. Yeah. We talk about we've talked about buildings and and cemeteries, which are kind of physical things, and we've talked about you know kind of genealogical records. Are there are there other kind of intangibles that you're worried about losing in the community? Are there traditional skills or customs or practices that you're you're worried? Or that I think you don't it's see the much? same as every other you know outport community. It's it it's at risk everywhere you go. Yeah. But getting those stories and the oral histories, I think, is is the most important in safeguarding that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting that you you know you you still call it an outport, but it's so close to St. John's now. It's yes. almost becoming part of that kind of mm-hmm. urban urban setting. It is very urban. It's very modern. But when you go down towards the two wharf areas in St. Phillips and Portugal Cove, you still get that outport feeling. Yeah, and you yeah. feel like you're mm-hmm. not really in the city. And yeah. and the community doesn't want to lose that. No. No, that is really a, kind of a special part of the character of those places. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so those are things that are worth worth preserving. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you, you talk about, uh, you know, your, your background is in cultural geography, and uh, and you... I know you have an interest in, in why people are connected to place. What, what do you think it is about the that community that people love you know people have been there a long time why do you think people love those places so much i think it's universal the same as what connects anybody to where they're from newfoundlanders have a strong connection to being a newfoundlander and each person that you talk to if they're from st john's they have a strong connection to being an east ender or a west ender and you know, people from Logie Bay have a strong connection to Logie Bay, and it's the same for Portugal Cove. Now, do do people uh, in Portugal Cove really think they're from Portugal Cove, and people from uh, St. Phillips really There's think they're from St. Phillips? There's a little divide, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, it's, it's still kind of two communities, yeah. while it's one community at the same time, yeah. 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 Were they different, were they primarily different religions, or, or uh, were they kind of the same that way, or? I, well, it's hard to say because I know that there's a United Church, a, a, an Anglican Church, and a Catholic Church in Portugal, but yes, 
originally it was Anglican and St. Philip's and Roman Catholic in Portugal. In Portugal Cove, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 interesting how that how that happens. But but the town's been together since mm-hmm. when? How how long have the two communities been amalgamated? 1992. 1992. So I believe it was 92. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting that we've kind of uh, you know we've come a long way mm-hmm. since then. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we're going to have to see more and more of in communities. Communities kind of coming together and working. Yeah. Like, like like what is has happened in Logie Bay, Middle Cove, Utter Cove. You know that they've the kind of come together kind of as, came a, together, as a community. Yeah. yeah. And they have to learn to share their heritage in some mm-hmm. way. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been uh, it's been a delight. When you go back to your office, what what are you working on? What's what's next on your, the very first thing on your plate? I'm looking into Capelin history today. <laughs> <laughs> now, did the Capelin roll uh, in in that I'm part? I'm told they roll on uh, Beachy Cove Beach. So yes. I'm hoping to head out there later today to see if I can find anybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, it'd be great to. I know that there's a history of them fishing. Yeah. For Capelin, but I think most of it's done with nets further out. Um, Because the beaches are a little bit of a different layout than, say, uh, Middle Cove Beach where they can come in and roll. But they do roll at Beachy Cove Beach. Yeah. So great. Well, it's good to see that, you know, heritage is still a living thing and uh, Mm -hmm. people will hopefully be out there getting their capelin. Are you going to fry it up? No. You're not a a fan of capelin? (laughs) I might bring it over to Dad. He can have it. Very good. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for for coming on the show. Uh, You are listening to Living Heritage. I'm Dale Jarvis, and our production assistant is Tara Barrett. Living Heritage is a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. You can find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Thank you.